Blog Talk Radio.
hallelujah, Miss Cece Winans this morning and the goodness of God. I know every believer must declare that God has been good to me. Oh, yeah. All my life, God was faithful to me. I wasn't faithful to him. He brought me forth through my mother's womb. <laughs> Hallelujah. And continue to allow me to live. Many things I've encountered that should have took me out of this life. I should have been dead. But because of his goodness, his grace and his mercy. And see, he know past, present, and future. So he knew in the future I would come to him in the fullness. No games, no tricks, just straight up. And I'm so thankful that he has been good to us. Hallelujah. Many of us can say that. Even sinners can say God's been good to me. I've heard them say it. And see, just because we talk about him, or even believe, it don't mean that we're his. We are his when we obey. I can't, I can't stress that enough. When we obey God, that's when we belong to him. Hallelujah. Disobedience, uh, disobedience is as witchcraft. Now, that's what he said. Barbara didn't say it. Yeah. You have to go to him about it. Hallelujah. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is June the 28th, 2023, six months, 28 days into this new year. Two more days and June is over with. I'm enjoying my summer right now. I'm enjoying what I can enjoy in the month of June, staying cool. Today, we're supposed to get up to 97 degrees. We was up high yesterday. Hot. Yeah. And this is why I strive to stay in God. There's nothing in hell I need but some ice water if, if you go. And that won't happen. You won't get any. So it's best while we have time to get it right with Almighty God who have all power. Why can't we love him? Why don't we love him? Look at all he has done for us. He's worthy, more than worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, we're going to pray the prayer of faith this morning. And uh, when we come back, we have a short testimony. And after that, we're going right into the book of Genesis, chapter 44 today. And the topic this morning is trials and troubles. Trials are troubles. How about that? And God will bring us out every time. Every trial don't mean uh, it's the end, but every sickness is not unto death. Hallelujah, Jesus. And let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this day. And Father, we thank you for watching over us last night as we slumbered and slept. Thank you for waking us up this morning, closing our right minds. Father, we thank you for the use and activity of our limbs. Thank you for our life, our health, and our strength. And, Lord, many of us may not feel well. Many of us may have something going on in the body. 
on the body. We've been diagnosed with some things. But Father, we say to you this morning, greater is he that lives within us than he that is in the world. Greater that's in us, your son Jesus. Father, he heals the sick. Glory. He raised the dead. And we know you're able to do it for us today. We thank you right now for the shedding of his blood. Thank you for his suffering. Hallelujah. Thank you for his hanging, bleeding, dying, conquering all and rising with all power for us so that we could have a right to the tree of life. We thank you this morning that he came on his own. Nobody forced him. He came to do the will of him that sent him. You sent him, Father, and he obeyed, and we thank you for it this morning. And we come bowed down asking this morning that you would forgive us for all our sins and wrongdoings, wrong thoughts, wrong speakings, and wrong feelings. And, Father, though our sins be as scarlet, we ask that you would wash us as white as snow. Cleanse us this morning from all unrighteousness, all evil, whatever we've done that's not pleasing and acceptable unto you. We ask this morning in the name of Jesus that, Father, you will forgive us and wash us over in your precious blood. Forgive us this morning. Give us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us today, Father Jehovah, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough. We give you glory. Hallelujah. We give you glory and honor. And we thank you again. We thank you. We thank you for putting our sins and wrongdoings as far as the east is for, from the west, for looking beyond our fault and yet meeting our needs, for being on our side today in spite of us, or for making a way that we can cast our cares upon you, for you care for us today, oh God, hallelujah. We thank you, and Father, we come asking that you would bless every household represented here. Father, bless every heart. You know what we each stand in the need of, and you're a supplier of need according to your reason and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Thank you, and if we need healing, you're able. If we need finances, you're able. I don't care what it's for and how large of amount, you're able. If we need a house, you're able. If we need a job, you're able. If we need transportation, you're able. If we need saving, you're able. If we need the spirit, you're able. There's nothing you can't do, for you have all power. And, Father, we're leaning and depending on you, but we know no other. We ask this morning that you would lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake. Because, Father, your name is on it. It's going to come out right every time. It will come out right every time, over and over again us out of our troubles. We look to the hills today. We look to you from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from you, comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. We thank you this morning. Again, Father, we ask that you would touch and heal today our bodies, our minds, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would bless our family and friends near and far. Father, bless 
those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military, widows, bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, preachers everywhere, Israel and Jerusalem, mm. all our brothers and sisters overseas, America and the leadership of America, have mercy this morning, oh God. And Father, we put it all in your hands. We come boldly before the throne of grace to put these petitions before you. And we walk away trusting you that you've already done it again today because we asked in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today. Move by your spirit. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Feed us today, Father, until we want no more. We can't do it for ourselves. Help us, Lord, that your word will ring in our ears and in our minds and heart all day, all day and all night. That we will wake up with your word speaking to us in the name of Jesus. We thank you this morning for hearing and answering. Oh, we bless the name of Jehovah. We bless the name of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, we ask it all again in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah for your healing power. We thank you this morning for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you for hearing and answering us. Oh, we have no one else like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Woo. For your love. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the word says. And for God is love. That's what the word says. And I believe just that. Because he loved each of us. He didn't kill us. He didn't destroy us. He didn't throw us away because he loves us. And our trials come. Hey, God. Hey, our trials come. Hey, to make us strong in him. To prepare us for the next trial, to prepare us for returning back with him. These are what these trials are about. Because if we can't stand the trial here, what will we do when he come back? Yeah. We can't, we're so weak, we can't go through nothing. At least a little bit of water hit us, we wither up. We dry up. Somebody's not doing what you're doing. Somebody let the work that you're doing, they let it perish, and the people that they were supposed to do it for perish. God is not that kind of God. <laughs> You're yet enduring. You feel like throwing up your hands sometimes, but you can't. You really can't because it's what you're supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're grateful unto him this morning. Thank him for being on our side in spite of us. Listen, I want to get this testimony going so that 8 o'clock we hopefully can start the book of Genesis, chapter 44. Hallelujah. Let me find it here, y'all. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I have a song today that I want to dedicate to everybody. I think it's one of the most beautiful songs that has ever been written. Uh-huh. So let's take a listen at this testimony. 
Now, up to that point, I was an introvert, painfully shy. I was afraid of adults because adults had abused me my whole life. And so I would go into church and then I would leave immediately afterwards. I had a few friends at school, not a lot of friends. I was the introverted, shy guy. And I remember thinking like, this this is what happened to Peter. Something completely changed him because he's he was introverted and shy and he was afraid to even admit he was a disciple of Jesus. And so I did the most dangerous thing that I have ever done in my life. And it wasn't a sin. It was a prayer. I closed my Bible and I sat on the edge of my bed and I said, God, if this is real, I know at four years old, I said the sinner's prayer with my mom but I want to be like Peter. And I was like, if this is real and if the Holy Spirit can transform, I want, and all, I remember all I said was that last phrase, I want it. Well, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you uh, here with us. Um, for the people who don't know you, if you could just give us your full name and where you're from. Yeah, my name is Mike Signorelli, and I'm originally from south of Chicago in northwest Indiana. Come on. So, Mike, you have a powerful testimony, and it's an honor to be able to hear it, to be able to record it. Uh, let's start with your life before Jesus. What did that look like? How, uh, and take us to just how you got to this point where you're at in your life. Yeah, my life before Jesus. My life actually started in a trailer park in South Chicago, Northwest Indiana, and it starts with brokenness. It starts with my biological father cheating on my mother, and before she discovered him cheating, there was domestic violence. It was very common for um, him to give her black eyes, grab her by the hair, and drag her through the house. And unfortunately, the last straw was the infidelity. And so now my mom is a single mother, and she's living in a trailer park, and she has a young Mike Signorelli. You know, it was funny because when my grandmother first brought me home, or my grandmother and my mother first brought me home from the hospital, my family on my mother's side's kind of country, and there was a country singer named Loretta Lynn, and her, her husband's name was Doolittle. And so my grandmother jokingly said, oh, look, there's Loretta and Doolittle. And so from that moment on, uh, they dubbed me Doolittle, and pretty much everybody who knew me from birth until 18 years old exclusively called me Doolittle. And so I come from very simple, very, very basic beginnings living in a tin roof trailer park in northwest Indiana, just south of Chicago. Uh, with a single mom on welfare, and she was just working jobs to try to make it happen for us. So that's really life before Jesus. You know, there was this really powerful moment, though, when I was four years old. Now, my mom had always played like a saloon-style honky-tonk piano, and being kind of country from West Virginia, now living in Indiana, and she had some background as a teenager leading worship in her local church, but she had backslidden and left, left the Lord, and she married my dad had me and now all of a sudden I'm four years old and my mother was reading the newspaper one day and as she's reading the newspaper it there was an advertisement that said a local church pastor looking for a worship leader and at this time at four years old my mother had already remarried and so now I had a stepdad unfortunately he was addicted to drugs and alcohol and he was also physically abusive so at, at this time my mother had a broken rib broken toe um, also just another cycle of abuse but she picked up the 
the phone and she called this number and she told the pastor, she said, hey, I, I'm a former worship leader for when I was a teenager. It's been years and years since I served the Lord. Um, now I'm in abu- my ab- second abusive marriage and I can lead worship for you, but um, I don't, I'm not even a Christian anymore. And um, it makes me emotional every time I tell this part of the story because that pastor, he said, honey, uh, I'm coming over to your house right now. I'm going to bring my wife with me. And you, you know, you tell me um, if you're ready, because I'm ready to lead you back to Jesus. And my mom, with tears in her eyes, she said, I'm ready. And so I'll never forget. This is one of the deepest memories that marked my entire existence. At four years old, I watched this pastor and his wife come into my house. And all of a sudden, um, they begin to pray with my mother. Now, at four years old, I did not understand all that was going on. All I knew was that my mom was crying. And when it was over, I saw a joy on my mom that I had never seen before up to that point. And in the most simplistic way possible, when my mom tucked me in that night, uh, she said, Doolittle, do you know what happened to me? You know, do you know? And I said, no, mom, but you're so happy. And I, I that's all I remember telling you. I just, you're so happy. And she said, do you want to be happy? Do you want to receive this too? And so I received uh, Jesus Christ um, into my life at four years old. My mom led me through the sinner's prayer. And that was my first moment uh, with, with Jesus. And I was eternally grateful for that pastor. As a matter of fact, he was true to his promise. Not only did he lead my mom back to Christ, but he also debuted her as his worship leader. And uh, all these years later, it still just gets me so choked up because had he not been willing to make that house call, if he wouldn't have showed up, you know, um, I, now I, I understand how rare it is that a pastor will show up to your house. Um, but he just heard a 20 something year old woman in her second abusive marriage calling out for help. And he showed up with his wife and my, and that, that really changed everything for our family because we still had trauma. We still had pain. We still had poverty, but now we had Jesus and my mom started, um, you know, basically leading worship all over. And she took that saloon style, honky tonk, hillbilly style. And she started learning worship. And, and so for me at now I'm five years old, six, seven, eight, nine, I started learning instruments, the bass, the piano, the guitar, the drums, and accompanying my mom in worship. And that was basically for me, that was part of my journey. But it wasn't until I was 15 years old that I really understood. You know, I think my mom received Christ and really repented in her 20s when that pastor came to our house. But I think for me, I said the sinner's prayer at four years old. But it wasn't until I was 15 years old that I had my own personal encounter. It's just one of those things where you can stand in a garage and never become a car. And you can stand in church and never become a Christian. And so I was playing instruments with my mother. I was listening to all the sermons. I was inspired by by them, but nothing had really happened in my heart. It was really a true conversion. As a matter of fact, I... Um, was very curious about the Bible. I was super introverted. I privately read the Bible. I was obsessed with reading the Bible, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, 11. My mom bought me picture Bibles and then a teen Bible and then a King James version. And so I was graduating all of these versions of the Bible, but it was like in my head, but it wasn't actually in my spirit. It wasn't in my heart yet. 
And so it hadn't traveled down. And it wasn't until I was 15, fast forward, my mom had gotten a couple more divorces and marriages. And even as a Christian woman was just struggling with um, basically having a healthy home. And uh, now all of a sudden I'm the oldest of five kids. And my mom had twins for the last two. And so there's Sandra with her five kids. And because of the multiple abusive stepdads and the brokenness and the poverty, it was like by the time I had got to 15 years old, I was just like kind of, I was just mad. I was super upset. I felt like betrayed. I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? And I was super desperate. But then I had read the Bible. My goal was to read it from Genesis to Revelation every year. And I had read it in multiple translations since I was a kid. I had just obsessed over scripture. But now at 15 years old, it was like I'm reaching this point as a teenager where I don't want to live like the world. I wasn't sleeping around. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't drinking. But I also didn't have a real intimate relationship with God. I didn't really know him. I had just been going to church with my mom, having these religious experiences Then all of a sudden, as I was reading the Bible at 15, I got to the book of Acts. And now that I'm becoming like a young adult, I started understanding things in a way I didn't understand it before. And um, I remember um, reading Acts chapter 2. And this man named Peter gets up and filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches this powerful sermon and a couple thousand people get saved. And I remember literally stopping and going, no way, not Peter. I didn't even remember. I'm like, Peter, that guy that was afraid of the little girl, Peter. And I remember like, I was like the same guy that Jesus was correcting all the time. Like to me, Peter was like a loser. And I'm like, but Peter, and I, I remember it started clicking. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what transformation looks like. Now, up to that point, I was an introvert, painfully shy. I was afraid of adults because adults had abused me my whole life. And so I would go into church, and then I would leave immediately afterwards. I had a few friends at school, not a lot of friends. I was the introverted, shy guy. And I remember thinking, like, this this is what happened to Peter. Something completely changed him because he's he was introverted and shy and he was afraid to even admit he was a disciple of Jesus. And so I did the most dangerous thing that I have ever done in my life. And it and it wasn't a sin. It was a prayer. I closed my Bible and I sat on the edge of my bed and I said, God, if this is real, I know at four years old I said the sinner's prayer with my mom but I want to be like Peter. And I was like, if this is real and if the Holy Spirit can transform, I want, and all, I remember all I said was that last phrase, I want it. And as soon as I said, I want it, I, I mean, I know this didn't happen in reality, but I felt like wind just blew through my room. In my mind, the curtains came off the curtain rod. It felt like that. And I just started to speak in other, in another language. I started to speak in tongues uncontrollably, loudly. And I started experiencing this crazy transformation. And that's when I truly believe that I received salvation in that moment because I knew and understood what I was asking for. I think at five years old, I was just asking for happiness. But at 15 years old, I was asking for Jesus. And when I did that, I I was completely and totally transformed. But the thing is, nobody knew it because I kind of had kept that experience private after it was over. 
And then, and and really quick, Mike, why why did you make that decision to not tell? Why why keep it to yourself? I decided to keep it to myself because it was so dramatic, and I had built my entire life around this persona of introverted Mike, Mike that slips in and slips out, Mike that just does his work in school and goes home. I had built this whole world around an identity, and now the Holy Spirit had just destroyed that whole identity, and he had empowered me and changed me, but I'm like, how do I let people know that I have this superpower? It it felt like, you know, God had given me something. Thing, and I'm like, I'm too afraid to even tell people mm. what had happened. Yeah. And what happened from there? How did, how did that begin to, to change your life? Because that's huge. If God starts something in you, he will always be faithful to finish it. And here's the thing. I cried out for God. And God came and baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And he was going to fulfill what he started in me, even though I tried to hide it. And the story of my life is so sovereign. And that's why it's such an emotional experience to even try to talk about it. Because out of poverty, out of abuse, out of trauma, multiple stepdads, out of all this pain, there was this story that God was weaving. And it wasn't soon after that experience, I call it my personal Pentecost, that all of a sudden, one Sunday, I walked out of my little Spanish church. We went to a Spanish church. It was a bilingual church. And um, I walked out of church, and I, w- I, w- I would leave before everybody else. So as soon as the service was getting ready to end, that's when my cue was to leave, so I didn't have to have conversations with anyone. And all of a sudden, I walk out of church, and it's in this neighborhood in South Chicago, and this woman comes walking down the street, and all of a sudden this woman sees me, and she's squinting her eyes, and then all of a sudden her eyes get really big, and she points her finger towards me, and she said, I saw you in a dream. I know where I saw you. I saw you in a dream. Now I start freaking out because I'm like, I already don't like people. I'm introverted, and now I have this woman who I've never seen in my life confronting me and she said I saw you in a dream I'm like woman no you didn't now where I'm from in the hood I think to myself there's crazy psychopaths walking around I think this woman's just crazy and I'm like lady no you didn't you're crazy woman you're crazy and then she says the next thing she says I saw you in my dream and you preached at my church and revival broke out and then I get even more scared because all I had this personal experience with the Holy Spirit. Now this woman's calling me out on this corner, this street corner. I've never seen this woman in my life. And I'll never forget, I told her, I said, woman, no, you didn't. I'm 15 years old. I've never preached in my life. No, you didn't have that dream. And she looked at me. She said, no, it was you. I know it was you in my dream. So I brushed her off. I tried to walk away from her. But here's the thing about the persistence of this woman. That woman went back to my church every single Sunday for weeks trying to find me because she was so convinced of this prophetic dream. Now, I kept trying to push her off. It all culminated to her going to my pastor. And my pastor said, let's just bring Mike and this woman in my office and let's deal with this for once and for all. And so he looked at me and he looked at her and he said, Mike, this woman's had a dream. This woman believes in this dream. And uh, just tell her you won't do it. Because everybody in the church knew me as the shy guy, the introverted guy. And when he said that phrase, just tell this woman you won't do it. 
something activated in my spirit. It, it was like, if he would have said, tell her you're going to do it, I probably would have said no. But when he said, just tell this woman you won't do it. Just tell her you can't do this. And when he said it, something activated, and I believe it was the that same um, personal Pentecost I had. It was like my spirit was moving faster than my flesh because my flesh wanted to say no, but all of a sudden out of my mouth leapt, yes, I'll do it. And the whole room got quiet. And the woman who had been asking for weeks, she got quiet. Then my pastor, who thought this is the shy guy, and I'm trying to help him by canceling this thing, she all of a sudden, or he got real quiet. And then I got quiet realizing, oh, no, I just, I just confirmed it. Like, I just stepped into this. And so it was a couple months after that because she went back to her pastor. She got, like, a Sunday night event scheduled. And then here comes a 15-year-old Mike Signorelli. I had to borrow a suit because I didn't own any suits. And back in the day, you always had to preach in a suit. And I had my Bible. And it was so crazy. I had never been to seminary. I had never been trained in any way. I had just spent all these years reading the Bible but only knowing it in my head. But once the Holy Spirit baptized me, it was like, now I step into this assignment. I'm deathly afraid. I'm looking at all their faces. They call my name to come up. I'm shaking, just trembling, holding this microphone. The first 30 seconds of my sermon is the worst sermon you've ever heard in your life. I'm stuttering. I can hardly get the words out. But then the only way I can tell you what happened was it was like I got struck by lightning. And the next 30 minutes, I blacked out. All I know is I start preaching. I mean, people are shouting. Young people are jumping up. Then I open up the altar. Everybody floods the altar. And this woman's prophetic dream about revival, it literally happens to the point where I don't know how. I don't know what I say. It just... It just activated this gift of preaching. And so from 15 years old until I went to college, I started becoming known now. And it was like a new nickname, uh, Mighty Mike, because I'm preaching all these youth things all over. And I have this whole other identity of, and they start calling me Mighty Mike. And I'm praying for people and they're getting healed of all kinds of crazy diseases. I'm praying for people and they're getting delivered. Demons are coming out of them. And this whole other life started for me. And it was like my own family were the ones that were like, I can't believe it's Mike. I can't believe it's him. He hated when we prayed. He hated when, you know, the things of God would happen. Now he's the main one doing it. And that really, for me, was like a major, major transformation. Wow. Now, right there, before you continue even to what God did after, um, a lot of the times when we hear people share their testimony from youth and, and God using them, there's usually you know, things that come into play that'll try to take them away from that. Like, did you ever, as you were going through your teenage years, did you ever had any problems with what you were seeing around you when it came to women? Like, was there any influence there? Was God fully protecting you? Uh, I just would love to get some insight as uh, what you were experiencing in that time. I can truly say that through my teen years, something was so holy and sovereign over my life that I was not struggling with temptation. I I could go to parties with my friends and we refused drugs and alcohol every time. I had little dating relationships, but I kept it pure the entire time. That personally was not my struggle in my teen years. And I was staying so busy doing the work of ministry and traveling all over the Midwest that I was just completely obsessed and consumed with the things of God, but 
what actually happened, and this was my big vice, as I've always been incredibly intellectual. I, I remember even being in poverty, we owned a set of Encyclopedia Britannicas, and I read the entire set. So I was obsessed with learning just as much as I was the things of God. And so it wasn't until, I, so I ended up um, going through some really difficult times in my teen years because uh, once the last stepdad left, then it, it left my mother as a single mom and financially we we're struggling. And I had made a decision uh, actually to leave high school. I ended up getting my GED, and then I took my SATs, and I had an Ivy League-level score on my SATs at 16, which got me a full-ride scholarship to a local college. So I actually started college at 17 years old while all my friends were still in high school. But then I did that partly so that I could work a job and financially help support my mother and my four siblings. So I really was feeling the weight and the burden of stepping into basically be a dad before I should have been a dad, be an adult before I should have been an adult. And even though my intelligence was able to get me a full ride scholarship and I started college in the evening and I was able to look at my peers and say, hey, you guys are still in high school, but I went from a GED to my SATs to college before you're even done. I also was working at the Hammond Water Department and a blue collar job like a little man and giving my check to my family every single week in that time. But then what happened in college was eventually my mom got married the last and final time and this was to a righteous man of God and it really alleviated the burden from me and he stepped in and started to lead and I was like oh I was right at the point where I felt like I was going to break so at 18 years old I quit my job for the water department, and then I went to college full-time to finish my degree, but I moved to Indiana University, Bloomington. And now in a Big Ten University, I'm taking a biology class, and the professor literally gets up, just like a cliche of what you see in the God's Not Dead movies. This is the early 2000s. He gets up, and he was like, hey, if you believe in God, you're, you're an idiot. Mm. And he was like, God doesn't exist. We're going to take this biology class, but I'm going to begin to show you how foolish it is to believe in the existence of God. Wow. And I had never heard anybody talk like that before. And that's when the seed was sown of skepticism and atheism and doubt in my mind. Well, well, take us through that, right? What, because now you, you, you've had all of these years of walking with God, experiencing, even being filled with the Holy Spirit and now atheism. How did your life progress from there? I had seen medically verifiable miracles already. I had seen the lost accept Christ. I had preached sermons all over the Midwest before I was 18 years old. But now I'm sitting in this lecture hall with over 200 students in Bloomington, Indiana, and this guy is saying that God doesn't exist. And then I remember the exact thought. The thought was, oh, wow. I come from just poor people, the, the poverty of, of, of the, the culture of poverty. And no, nobody I knew was college educated on both sides of my family. Mm. And I remember thinking like, oh, what if this whole thing's been a lie? Wow. What, what if intelligent people don't believe in God, but then like basically unintelligent people or poor people where I come from, just average everyday people, they do believe in God. And it just started working over in my mind. It kept growing like a cancer 
one thought at a time, one cell at a time. And then I remember thinking like, oh no, what if all those miracles were the power of placebo? What if it was the power of positive thinking? What if it was all just people unlocking human potential? Like they believed that they were healed and then their body released things to heal them. And it just kept growing and growing. And my mind just started completely infiltrating all of the, the gospel and all those seeds that were sown. And it just felt like with your body, it's like when cancer's in your body, your whole body's not sick. It's just, but the problem is the cancer grows. And so it was like my, I felt like before that moment in that lecture hall, I was 100% devoted to God. But then all of a sudden those seeds, those doubts, those fears, maybe I was living a lie. It just kept growing. And then it was like the percentage of Mike Signorelli that was full of doubt kept growing and growing and growing. And ultimately that led to full blow, full blown atheism. And I, and it was like, it was crazy how it happened. It didn't happen instantly. It happened over the course of about a year and a half of me, like going from class to class, having conversations with people and then realizing like mainly people don't believe in God. They're all middle class or upper middle class They're It's like, you know, And then I'm doing this compare contrast between my life and their life. And I'm like, well, maybe I just come from a whole bunch of, I I mean, forgive the phrase, but like maybe I just come from a whole bunch of dumb hillbillies. Maybe I just come from a whole bunch of hood rats. Like maybe we all just need God like a crutch. Mm. And it's just this thing that this, this thing we have that makes us feel better. And maybe it's, it was, maybe it was emotionalism when I had that moment with the Holy Spirit. And I start going through that and then a year and a half of that kind of thinking. And now here I am in one of the top 10 party schools in the nation getting trashed, like literally having inappropriate relationships with women. And I am a full-blown sinner. I'm, I'm backslidden. I'm, I'm full-blown in it. And it was crazy because people saw me make that transformation and they didn't even want to believe it was possible. Like, no, Mighty Mike, that guy who came and prayed for us, that guy who led us to Christ, like, what? He's drinking, he's partying now, he's sleeping around. Like, what, that guy? And it, it was because... I had let that atheistic, this secular, you know, this humanistic thing come into me. And, and it, but what I didn't do is I didn't study. I didn't fact check it. I didn't do that journey initially. I just let it thrive inside of me and tried to solve that problem on my own. And I, I couldn't. Wow. What was the, when, when it came to your leaders specifically and the people that uh, were close to you in, in ministry, what, what was their response did they try to talk to you about it like did anybody come around you and try to actually meet with you and and kind of figure this thing out with you you know it's funny that you mentioned that the leaders that were in my life were all having their own personal struggles as well and what I've come to realize looking back at my story is when you have secret sin in your life, you will um, openly confirm someone else's. And I think what I was looking for from the leaders in my life was somebody to stand for righteousness, for somebody to grab me and shake me and be like, Mike, this isn't the way, this isn't who you are. But unfortunately, that never happened. They had their own stuff that they were struggling with. And so it's like they had doubt and I had, a, had doubt. And so it was like there was no doctor, just two cancer patients. 
difference. Wow. And so it was like, sometimes um, when I look back at my story, I wish there was somebody who like grabbed me by the shirt and just said, I'm not going to let you live like this. I'm not, I'm going to talk to you. And that wasn't there, but God again, and this is the story of God's mercy and grace in my life. He's always woven people into my story to actually come across my path and to bring that message. So when I was fifth, when I was five years old, he brought the pastor uh, from that job listing in the newspaper. When I was 15 years old, he brought that woman from the neighborhood who had a prophetic dream. And then now when I was 21 years old, I actually moved into this house. On, it's right on campus. And I was going to have three random roommates and we were all going to rent a bedroom of this house. And I'm meeting my roommates and there's this older gentleman at the time. I, looked, I thought he was old. He was 30 years old. And he had come to Indiana University to do his, um, his graduate studies. And so I'm like, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he's like, my name is Lamont Black and I went to school for the theology and I'm now here in Indiana University to study economics. And I'm like, interesting. So he's like, tell me your story. So we start to get to know each other. And when he finds out that I used to be this hardcore Christian, that I used to be this preacher, and he's also a, a man of God now, and, and he's a theologian, he's like, so wait a second, you don't believe now why? And over the course of that year, which is the junior year of my college, he just broke me down systematically. I mean, anything that I had, and he showed me that when you become a Christian, you don't Stop, you don't stop being intellectual. Actually, to become a Christian is to ignite true intellect. Mm. And so he was telling me, like, listen, Christianity is not just for ignorant people. Christianity is for everybody. And you can defend through reason the, the, the tenets of our faith. You can, and actually science proves it doesn't disprove. And so he began to break me down over the course of that year. And I remember there's this uh, astrophysicist, Dr. Hugh Ross, and he was starting to show how astrophysics proved the existence of God. Then the movie came out by Mel Gibson, the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. And that, and I'm in the movie theater watching that and I'm, I'm getting the Holy Spirit's moving on me. And it was like, all these things converge. Then I live with a theologian who's breaking me down. And it was the first time that I saw that, wait a second, my spirit and my emotions and my mind can all become one for the kingdom. And I'll never forget. I rededicated my life to Christ in my in that house with with Lamont and I remember crying and I was thinking about my mom who I thought was just a poor hillbilly and and I kept saying through the tears my mom was right my mom was right my she didn't know science she didn't know philosophy she didn't know reason but she knew the gospel and it was right and so for me I really rededicated my life in that moment uh in college and that was like a major next step for me in my journey whoa now, a lot of people, you know, know about you because obviously how God is using you today, even through uh, this incredible tool that we have with the Internet, right, and YouTube and live streaming. Um, if you could just give us a little bit of insight from that moment that you had in college of rededicating your life to Jesus to uh, what God has now, you know, using you and how, how he's using you today. What happened in, in, in these last couple of years? How did he begin to now begin to uh, use you again after that season? You know, I really believe that the truest part of me on the inside is this 15-year-old 
before seminary training, before Indiana University and secular college, before getting married, there was this 15-year-old person that just said, Jesus, I know that you're real. I want your Holy Spirit. And I say yes. And, you know, the foolish things of the world will confound the wise. And I had to learn how to become a fool for Christ again and stay a fool for Christ and say, God, use me. Here I am, reckless abandoned. So for, for these last several years, that's what I've been doing. I've been saying, God, I don't want to become a professional Christian. You know, there's a lot of professional Christians. You know, they work for church staffs. They uh, clock in, clock out. They, they go to seminary school and they learn all of the new vocabulary word and they get online with and they're hypercritical of everything that's happening. And it's like, I don't want to be a critic. You know, I'd rather be an author than a literary critic. I'd rather be a chef than a food critic. And I'd rather be a Christian than one criticizing Christianity. I'd rather be a true follower. And so that's it. I've been trying to do the commands of Christ the great commission. And so here's the thing, like I'm still have a little bit of that introverted in me. And during the pandemic, it was actually my wife who was like, Mike, I know that you can't physically preach at your church locations here in New York city, but just grab your phone and just do what you've always done. Just start preaching. And so all of a sudden I grabbed my phone during the pandemic and what started with 80 people watching me. I remember watching it. Literally the number went up 600, 700, 800, a thousand, 2000, 2000. People were getting free all over the place, and it was just the foolishness of God. It was just grab your phone and be obedient. And so all these years later, yeah, I've I've got married. Um, I actually I'm fortunate enough to have two daughters of my own, Bella and Everly. My wife, Julie, is there alongside of me. But I was just faithful to just keep saying yes no matter what he said. That ended up meaning that I was going to move from Indiana where I had bought a home with a half-acre backyard and, you know, a Four Seasons room that looked off the back. And I had to sell that house. I gave away one-third of all my possessions, fit everything in a U-Haul. And then I ended up um, moving to New York City. And then after moving to New York City, with only 18 people in our church, we made disciples that made disciples that made disciples. 18 turned into to thousands, and now we're a national church with locations everywhere. We had fastest growing church in America for the last four years in a row, but it all started way back when, how God's been threading that narrative through my life of just complete and total surrender and just saying yes over and over and over again, no matter how crazy it looks, no matter how wild it looks, no matter how impossible possible it looks, knowing that he is going to make all things possible. Mike, when you, when you had that, that season um, in your life where you kind of stepped away and, and fell into atheism and now then you rededicate your life to God, did it, did it feel like you were starting over? Did, did you have a struggle kind of coming back into a relationship with God or was it like, okay, no, we we're, we left right where we just, you know, we, we took off right where we left. Like, what was that like for you? I had struggled to really fully come back. It was like I wanted to do it in my emotions, but now I had opened up a door in the flesh that I had never opened before. I managed to live in the hood, surrounded by drugs and alcohol and all that for my entire teens, never gave in to sexual temptation, never gave in to drugs or alcohol. But then now in my 20s when I finally did and I had fulfilled the desires of the flesh, it was so difficult now because I had to deal with it 
it on the level of my appetite. I had to deal with it on the level of those experience, and I really had to learn what sanctification was all about, taking one step at a time and basically saying no. It's a lot easier to say no to something you've never done than to say no to something that you've done many times because the flesh loves it. The flesh desires it. And so I really had to learn in that season of rededicating my life back to Christ how to crucify the flesh daily, die to self daily. I had to block people. I had to tell people, hey, I can't be friends with you because you're not a friend of my future. You're a friend of my past. And my past is dead. And so that was a journey I had to go on with Jesus. And it's one thing to watch Jesus hang on the cross, but that's the first cross, not the final cross. We've got to hang on the cross as well. And I had to make a decision. I was going to learn how to die to self. And it was a, it was a journey. It was a road. I'm still on that journey right now. Every day I'm, I'm walking that thing out. But in that season of rededicating and redevoting my life to Christ, I had to learn that, that very narrow path. Mm. Mike, for the people who are watching your testimony right now, who uh, are in that season where you were just faithfully walking with the Lord, 15, you know, uh, as a teenage year, as a young boy, and uh, those those who are watching you right now, who are in that season on fire for God, uh, maybe are feeling a little bit pressure from the world and everything that's going on around them. What is just a word of encouragement that you can give to that young person who is watching you uh, share your testimony right now? The word of encouragement that I would give to a young person right now is when you're on Snapchat, you're on for hours. When you're on TikTok, you're on for hours. When you're on Instagram, you're on for hours. And what's happening is you're feeding relationships, and it's starting to pull you in a certain direction. What I did as a teenager, and I'm so thankful for this, is I spent hours in prayer. And see, prayer is not just you talking to God. It's you allowing him to talk to you through the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, the first five minutes might be awkward. Then 10 minutes is awkward. 30, but there is this invisible line that you cross. And you'll know because the tangible presence of God will roll into the room. And you'll be too afraid to even open up your eyes sometimes. You'll be like, if I open my eyes, I'm going to see him. It'll be that real. And I have a 16-year-old now. I was just telling her this the other day. I said, when I say pray, I don't mean like a religious person that just begs God, God, give me this, change this. I'm talking about I want to know you. I want to build a relationship with you. And I know that all of you can do that because you do it on Snapchat. You do it on TikTok. Just put your phone away and say, okay, God, let's snap. Okay, God, like I'm here. I'm ready to scroll. Like take me on this journey. And, man, in my teenage years, I remember spending hours with God, like getting completely lost. I would put my music on. And back in the day, this was because I'm old school, this was CDs. And I would have that CD spinning, the music would be on, I would lock my door, and I was just gone. And I do believe that it's like however you spend your time, that's what you're feeding. You're either feeding your faith or you're feeding your fears, you're feeding your doubts. And so it's just spending that time. There's no other way around it. And so for me, when somebody would be like, hey, do you want to try some alcohol? I'm like, dude, there's nothing you can offer me that will compare to what I just felt in the presence of God in my room. There's nothing better than that. It's all going to be an invitation. It wasn't until later on in life I accepted the the bait of Satan and got all tripped up with that. But in my teen years, I was just all in. And it really is true. Whatever the world offers you, God has something better. Come on. Now, for that person who is uh, watching, who is now struggling with that uh, season of doubt, right, and, and not really 
knowing if this is something that they want to do for the rest of their life. If they don't really believe in God, you know, and faith is is dying down in, inside of them. Yeah. What can you say to that person who is watching your testimony right now? I want you to go back to the moment where you were saved. I want you to remember the very first time you felt that love. Probably you were crying. Probably when you got done praying, somebody prayed with you. Maybe maybe you were all alone. But, I, but you remember that feeling of weightlessness. You remember how clean you felt. And that's the moment you have to go back to over and over and over again. The Bible talks about returning to your first love. And so you've got to go back. It's why you saw me almost cry multiple times telling my story, because when I go back to that prayer at five years old, when I go back to that prayer at 15 years old, when I go back to that prayer at 21 years old, I still remember, okay, my first love was returning to me and I was returning to him. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so you take a step closer to him in those moments where you say, God, I remember when you first encountered me. I remember when you changed me, when you washed me with your blood. I remember how, how pure and holy and acceptable I felt and realized I was. And you got to renew that in your heart every single time you go back. That's why David said, I remember. There's something about remembering. I remember when he delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear. Surely he'll deliver me from this. Sometimes you got to go back and remember and say, God, I remember when you delivered me from this before, another version of it. Deliver me of this version right now. Hmm. Mike, who is Jesus to you? Yeah. Jesus truly is my best friend. Jesus is my Lord, which means I submit to him. I don't do my will. I do his will. Jesus is, is everything. I mean, through every season of my life, Jesus, I've gotten another revelation of Jesus. That's why I get so excited about heaven. It'll never get old because it, for infinity, we'll get a new revelation of who he is. It's like we're going to get our mind blown every single second of heaven. And so here on earth, it's like who Jesus was at five years old, who Jesus was at 15, 21, 39, 49. It's like, and, and so for me, it's like the best relationship in my life because I'm always coming to know him in a new way. He's somebody, he's another aspect of himself for me. In every season, I've needed him. And um, I think that's why I lived such a life of reckless abandon, because he gave all. So I feel like the least I can do is give all. I, I know all I'm giving him is ashes and brokenness, but I'm going to give it all because he gave all. And so, like, for me, I pray continuously. I have conversations with Jesus all day. When I lay down and sleep, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm literally saying, God, meet me in my dreams tonight. I want to, it's like, I, I don't want to be away from him. And I think like on that other side of, of uh, reconciling my relationship with Jesus, it's just been a, a, um, just crazy hunger and a desire and a thirst for him. And I, for me, like hell is not flames. You know, I know that depiction, like to me, like the worst pain of hell is separation from him. Like, to me, that's it. And so I think about that scripture where it says people are casting out demons in my name. People are, are doing all these things. But he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so it's like, yes, people see me doing deliverance and prophesying and preaching big conferences and all that. But I don't want to be the guy where I show up and he's like, Mike, you did all these incredible things in my name. But I never knew you. And so my number one 
it's like what everything flows from that relationship. I'm married. I have a wife and kids, but even more so than my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, it's got to be him first and foremost. Mike, any last words for the people who are watching your testimony right now? My biggest encouragement is that wherever there's pain, there's purpose. Wherever there's brokenness, there is breakthrough. And my story is a story of multiple abusive stepdads, and now somehow the entire Internet dubbed me Papa Sigs, and I'm a spiritual father to many people now. And I laugh because I don't have a biological father. My father died prematurely. I laugh because all of my spiritual fathers were pastors that unfortunately are not even in ministry anymore because they had infidelity or money impropriety, and I'm still here. And so my greatest area of brokenness through all my story when I was 5, 15, 21 now has been, God, I wish I had a dad and, and a physical father never came. But the Holy Spirit, my heavenly father did come to me. And then guess what? He's made me so much like him that when I'm on the internet or wherever I'm at in my church locations, they're like, look, there's Papa Sigs. And the funniest thing is, and nobody knew this, and it was such a holy moment. Um, the few years that I did have my biological father before he died, I called him Papa. And nobody knew that. And I'll never forget at the height of the pandemic, looking in the comments section, one person put in there like, I'm going to call you Papa Sigs. And then the whole chat was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, that's it. And it just exploded. And I, I just want to encourage people like wherever you're broken, wherever there's pain, that's where your purpose is. And my definition of purpose now is do what the devil doesn't think you'll do. Like the devil, the devil doesn't think that I'll preach into a camera. So that's why I'm going to do it because he doesn't think I'll do it. He doesn't think that I'll be a father to my children and a father to God's children as a spiritual father. He thinks I'll quit. I'll give up. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what he thinks I won't do. And I want to encourage you, if there's any part of my story that you heard, just leave this with something in you that says, I'm going to do what the devil doesn't think I'll do. That's your purpose. Chapter 43. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state, and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words, Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him, of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame for ever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. 
Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand. And the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home, and slay, and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us, and fall upon us, and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and said, O oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food, and it came to pass, when we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and gave them water. And they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare, and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom ye spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health, he is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face, and went out, and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself, and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves. Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wanted to share this again. Uh, verse 43. I want to go back and show you verse number 28. And they answered, that servant our father is in good health. He is yet alive, and they bowed down their heads and made obvious. Now, do you remember the dream? Joseph had that dream first and told him he, he was the ruler over them, the brothers, the mother, and the father. 
when he told it to the father, the father said, you, Joseph, you mean to tell me you're going to rule over me and my mother? I mean, me and your mother? But do you see what happened here? I want to uh, uh, share a little bit more. Anybody saw that Joseph was angry with them and he wasn't going to forgive them and he was punishing them? Did anybody see that? No. No, you did not. Joseph was so happy to see these brothers. I don't remember being made mention in, in 42 or 43 or 41 where he lashed out at them and I'm going to punish them and throw them in jail, throw them in the prison where uh, it's not the prison for Pharaoh's you know, workers. No, we didn't see that. And what he told them, God showed him, and it came to pass. Oh, yeah, it came to pass. So we're moving on now. We're moving on to uh, verse 44. I just wanted to share that little bit there. So we're going on to 44. Chapter 44. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh? And whereby indeed he divineth, ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our sacks' mouths. We brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. And he said, Now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and opened every man his sack. And he searched, and began at the eldest, and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes, and laid it every man his ass, and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. 
And thou saidst unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidst unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again, and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die, and thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad a bondman to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? Okay, so look. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God have a purpose and a plan for our lives. You heard me say this yesterday. You hear me say it today. And I often think about a system. We have a purpose, a plan, and a system for us. The system is through his word. When we plug in everything into the system that we're supposed to plug in, God remembers the system that he made for us. Everybody really don't have the same system because what is for you is for you. What is for me is for me. But God may allow us to go through uh, some tough times, uh, some tough trials, some tough troubles. Uh, but can you think of a very rough or hard trial that you've had in your life before? And you endured it. It didn't feel good. Uh, some days you may have cried. Uh, some days you may have yelled out to the Lord, God, what can I do? Help me. You know, whatever you had to do to feel better. But in the ending, ask yourself, what happened in the ending of that trial or trouble or hard time? Did God deliver you? Did he bring you through it? Did he teach you a lesson? That today when you look back on that, you see the move of God. So you've learned something. You've learned some of the ways of God. Because all our ways and his ways are not the same. He said as high as the sky is from the earth, that's the difference between us and him. You see? So again, he, Joseph, uh, as Brother Lewis said yesterday, Joseph playing tricks on his brother. Yeah, sent them away again with the money back in their sacks. But how about this? 
They did Joseph dirty, real dirty. But yet he wanted to bless them. That's the ways of God. I, I pray for myself. Slow to hear. I mean, slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. They were slow to wrath, to be angry, uh, to be against somebody. And, and that's not always easy, but it takes prayer to get us to that point where we can say, oh, well, that's just them, or Lord, forgive them and have mercy. Not that we want to put, you know, gloom and doom on them or condemn them to something bad. But this is teaching us a valuable lesson if we're looking, if we're listening. They did Joseph dirty because he told them the truth of what would happen. But now look, how about the way that it was going to come to pass? His brothers would have something to do with it, but they didn't know they was blessing Joseph. They thought they was cursing him, killing him, getting him out the way, uh, making his life bad or whatever they thought, getting rid of him because the dad showed him too much favor. And he had a dream about becoming a ruler over his family and everybody else. And the, the brothers did not like it, if we remember. They were going to kill him, but the oldest boy said, no, let's don't kill him, let's punish him, and, you know, I'll take him home to daddy. But they said, no, look, let's sell him into to somebody. Let's get rid of it. When they saw him coming again, they said, here come that dreamer. <laughs> here comes the dreamer. But how many know the dream came true? So looking in verse 44, he put the money back in there again in the cups and all of this. And he got to take that boy, the baby boy, back to the daddy because Joseph was the baby, and now he 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 been taken away. Yeah. So Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house in verse 14. But he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine. Uh, 16 says, and Judah said, what, what are we to say to my Lord, and how may we put ourselves right in his eyes? God has made clear the sin of your servant. Now we are in your hands, we and the man in whose bag your cup was seen. They was confessing without even knowing, really. 17 says, then he said, far be it from me to do so, but the man who had my cup will be my servant, and you may go back to your father in peace. Oh, he done took that boy, that youngest boy. Then Judah came near him and said, let your servant say a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your wrath be burned against your servant, for you are in the place of Pharaoh to us. My Lord said to his servant, have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have an older father and a young child whom he had when he was old. His brother is dead, and he is the only son of his mother and is very dear to his father. Look, he had them confessing. You hear me? He had them confessing. 
So as we go on, look what happened. He told everything about his dad. His daddy didn't want him to bring that youngest boy, but, you know, they the only way they could get the other one back and to see him again, they had to bring uh, Benjamin. They had to bring the, the, what uh, they thought was the youngest brother now. But Joseph is still the youngest. Yeah. The one went away from me, and I said, truly, he has come to a violent death. And from that time, I have not seen him. Now they're telling about what they did to Joseph. If now you take this one from me and some evil comes to him, you will make my gray head go down in sorrow to the underworld. If then I go back to your servant, my father was like the boy, because his life and the boy's life are one. When he sees that the boy is not with me, he will come to his death, and our father's gray head will go down in sorrow to the underworld. For I made myself responsible for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not give him safely back to you, let mine be the sin forever. So now let me be my Lord's servant here in place of the boy, and let him go back with his brother. For how may I go back to my father without the boy and see the evil which will come on my father? Yes, he he, he didn't want to go back son because the daddy loved him and Joseph had already been taken from him and he explaining now that if I go back without my dad he's just going to die he's going to hang his head in sorrow and just mourn and just you know die over it so let me be your servant and let me send this boy back to his father yeah so look we're moving right along we're moving right along we're going on to 45 now Chapter 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, and all that thou hast, come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. 
and ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste, and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren, and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well, and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beasts, and go, get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Ah, oh, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. You see, he explained to them, Look, I know y'all meant it for evil. God turned it into good. And this was the plan of God. First off, this, this wasn't your plan. This was the plan of God. So that I could be here at this time when the famine come, so that I could provide for my family. So what I went through, but look at me today. I, when I look back, I, I even look back at myself many days. And I said it was some hard days for me. But God has brought me through. Brought me out of the troubles. Brought me out of the hard times to a better time. But what he's looking for today is for me to keep my eyes to the hills from which come to my help. Because really and truly, all our help comes from the Lord. He's looking today to see if I remember his word. And that I am allowing his word to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As believers, I know we think we can do it our way, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, and God still accepts it. He loves us, and yes, he has time and patience for us. But because of what he has done for us, we should be willing to do more for him. We should be willing to stay focused in his word, on his word, in him and on him. He lives in us. He lives in us. Greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. 
Joseph didn't hate them. He didn't punish them. He did some things to them because I'm sure he had a sense of humor too. And fear came upon them. Oh, yeah, they, they went through some stressful times <laughs> when they thought they wasn't going to be able to take Benjamin back. I know that wasn't no joke. That wasn't no fun. Not to them. When they found that money in them bags and then the second time they found Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When they told him, tell your daddy, let Benjamin come. Because when Benjamin don't come, I think it was Benjamin, the baby boy, that that other one, he wasn't going to be able to come either. He already had one that he was holding over there. (laughs) Yeah. But God blessed them all nevertheless. And we got to pray for this. Lord, don't let me. Don't allow me to hate my enemies. Don't allow me to hate anyone that has done me wrong because you're yet on my side. Vengeance is yours. Teach me the lesson out of this. Show me what you're trying to do for me and in me because he's trying to fix our heart even in the midst of all of this that the enemy has done to us. Fix my heart and regulate my mind. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's somebody who told us they was a good friend. Sometimes it's a co-worker. Sometimes it's the boss on the job. It's in your own house. It's your husband or wife. It's your children. It could be your mother, your father, another relative that has done you evil. And you, you really didn't know why, but you went on because what were you you couldn't undo it. Joseph was sold into slavery. What was he going to do? He didn't have the money to pay himself out of slavery. So he had to look to the hills from which cometh his help. All of his help came from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. They put him in the Pharaoh's prison where Pharaoh workers and, and, and servants go. And I'm sure through all of this, even before his trial came up, after Potiphar's wife lied on him, I'm sure Joseph went into prayer. And this is a good place to be and a good thing to do. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. But I accept what you allow. And Father, I need you to strengthen me as I'm accepting what you allow. Teach me, lead me yet, and guide me. Because I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do with this. I'm hurt over it. I want my freedom, but God, this is the place where you allow me to be in prison. And use me, listen to this. Well, first off, stir up the gift in me, in here. Right here while I'm in prison. When he was sold in Potiphar's house. Stir up your gifts in me that people, even my master, will see you in me. And that's what happened. So now I'm in the prison. God, stir up your gift in me that I can be a blessing to others. I can be a blessing to other inmates, other prisoners. I can be a blessing to the administration of the prison. That means the ones that's over them, the prison guard, what they call them, the sergeants and all of that. And don't let me think on hating the reason it appears I'm here. 
Don't let me hate her either, Potiphar's wife. Because you said a liar won't tear in your sight. Vengeance is yours. You're going to take care of that for me because I'm innocent. And even if I wasn't innocent, I know you now. And I know what you're able to do. Lord, forgive me for what I've done to get here. Forgive me. Have mercy upon me. Let your love abound more in this for me. That God, I can come out in you. I won't take no revenge on nothing. I won't go to court and act as if I'm not guilty. Help me today. See, this has got to be our prayers. For somebody do something to us, I'm raising my right hand because I've been guilty. Oh, we want to take revenge right then. Kill them. Knock them down. Knock them out. Yeah, that's what we want to do. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let the wheat and the tab grow together in the day of harvest. I'll do the separating. Yeah. He's going to do some separating. He knows what's best for us. And I would just love 100% for him to do all of this in me, through me, and for me. I don't want to hate one enemy. I don't want to hate anybody that has done me wrong. I don't care who they are, stranger or someone I know. Lord, let me get past the foolishness. Stir up the gifts in me that I can work unto you more and that I can forgive these people or this person and keep it moving in you, in Jesus' name. Because look what happened to Joseph. The famine come, but he, he was able to take care of his family. Yeah, the famine came, but he, in the midst of all of that, Joseph was able to be a blessing to his family. And he told him, had this not taken place, I wouldn't be able to be here to see you through in your time of need. Because being without food is no joke. It's no joke. You're hungry. And many times if you're hungry long enough, you're not thinking right. You may be able to just snatch something, a raw bird, and just eat the bird raw because you're so hungry. But God made a way. The trial. He made a way yet through the trouble because Joseph had trouble. Being sold, that's no joke. Being somebody's slave, they can do it to you what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. You go to bed, you're good and tired, you're sleeping. You're in a good sleep and they come and wake you up and say, hey, I needed to go clear that field. <laughs> you ain't been in the bed three hours good. Supposed to get eight hours sleep at least. Six hours, seven hours would have helped you. That was so fun. But he had to endure. And he couldn't change nothing. He wasn't in a position where he could say, hey, y'all going to let me go? I'm ready to go. Open the door. He wasn't in a position. Before we get there, we should be proud. Man ought to always pray and not think. Pray without ceasing. We ought to be proudful before the trials come, asking God, whatever trials come my way, strengthen me 
and give me the lesson behind the trial. Because just as sure as we stay in God and he is in us, we are going to go through some trials. And not every trial is easy. Not every trial is overnight. Not every trial is in seven days. It's over with a week. Uh-uh. Some trials last. But Joseph was in these trials for some years. Yeah. And some of us, we are in some trials for some years. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's financial. I've even known people to become homeless, transportationless, lose their families, all kind of stuff. The husband come home and tell the wife, I don't want to do this no more. I'm sick of this. I want to divorce. But the children are not grown yet. Can you wait until the children? No, I, I can't wait. I'm ready to get it over with right now. And he means just that. Sometimes it's not because of another woman. He just sick of all of this. He's, you know, he's got to be responsible for under one roof. And he's thinking, well, if I get rid of the wife, I want to have the children. And in a little while, they're going to get older and older. And after a while, the debt of them is going away because they're going to become adults. That's how he's feeling. But they are his responsibility. I don't care if they're 100 for the rest of his life. Same with the mother. You're the mother, and he's the father. Got to be, got to be responsible for your children, even when they become adults and, and they leave, and you let them go. You're still praying for them. If they call you, you're encouraging them. Sometimes they may need some money. You may have to go borrow the money to give to them. In their adulthood, well, if they're responsible and they've done the best that you, that they can, you know your child, so you go and help them. Now, those that are not responsible, you can't put your neck on the line, borrow money for them that you got to pay back because they, they, they won't even help you. And they didn't get in that position because they did the right thing. They got in that position because they did irresponsible things. They didn't do what was right. So it's many things, many trials that we may have to go through. And sometimes when he said he wanted that divorce, you don't want it, so you go in sincere prayer. God know the intent of your heart. Now, if he's your true husband and you praying, he's not going nowhere. He's going to come home with a, uh, let me talk to you for a minute. I, I was really wanting a divorce and all of that. I know I said all of that, and I told you I was tired. I don't want to try no more, but listen. I've been thinking about this thing. You know, I I started it because I asked you to marry me, and I told you I wanted to have children, and you gave me what I said I wanted. So it's not right for me to walk away from you or the children. So can we work this thing out? It's not about another human being. It's about my mind and and what the way I was thinking. I, I let the enemy in for five minutes. Or if it's about another person, he can tell you, hey, I know I messed up. I was with that other woman and this and that, but God come and straighten my mind out. I've apologized to her, and I told her I had to come back to my wife, and I'm done. And, we, and, 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 and honey, we got to stay on our knees because we get to see the devil live at the door of married people. And if he can get through a crack, he gets 
through a crack and blow it up. But sometimes we have to go on through with the divorce. It's over. And we have to live and accept that and keep it moving. Because many times God has something better. And sometimes he may be making you what they call is a celibate, where you don't have a husband or wife. All you have is God and the work of God. Because he's trying to train you and get you to somewhere. But many times we hold it on to our flesh. I'm not 60 yet. I need a man. I'm not 60 yet. I need a woman. You need Jesus. I promise you, he's the often finisher of our faith. He won't let us down if we'll look to the hills, if we'll look in the spirit, if we'll walk in the spirit. Because he's a spiritual God. And if we will become as spiritual as possible, as often as possible, we will get to see the move of God. We will understand some things about God. I told you what the devil told me. It wasn't true. He'll tell you all kind of crazy things. But who report will you believe? That's what you ask yourself. Because see, look, even after we confess our sins, God has forgiven us. That devil will come back and tell you some crazy. He forgave you for that. Look how bad that was. You think he forgave you for that? You fooling yourself. There is no sin to be for God to forgive. There's no sin too small for God to forgive. But that devil come to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will keep telling you this stuff. And sometimes it's your flesh. See, because you, you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in you. So you're letting you talk to you about you. And if you ask God to forgive you, whatever you is telling you is a lie too. Because God forgives. God, we need to pray and ask God to teach us how to forgive ourselves. So we can walk on in him, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He want to set us free. And he made it possible that it can be done for whom the Son, S-O-N, set free, we are free indeed. Well, who is the Son? Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of the true and living God that have all power, Jehovah. And if Jesus set us free, we are free Indeed. You don't have to go back to nothing that you don't want to go. See, they're, they're using the word options now. So you have options. You have a option, whether to go back to sinning or whether to come closer to God. So that whatever that is, he can deliver you from it. He's a deliverer. And allow God to deliver us. Sometimes we're in trials where uh, someone may be sick, or we got to take them to dialysis three days a week. We got to work at the same time. Some other things going on there. We may not have enough food in the house. Uh, 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 the bills pile. It's a number of things. But greater is he that lives within you than he that is in the world. Who are you talking to about your problems? Where have you left your burdens? 
Did you come boldly before the throne of grace and leave all of these petitions on the altar? Or are you carrying these around and every day you're grumbling and complaining? I need you to find your good song, a good gospel song for yourself. I need you to be singing that and humming that every day. I need you to find a scripture that's going to bring you through, that's going to keep you grounded and rooted and trusting in God and walk in that daily. When you're not meditating on the scripture, you're singing a humming that song. It's blessing you to keep your mind on him. And if you keep your mind on him, I don't care what you're going through, he's going to keep you in perfect peace. I don't care what they say. Nobody come and told me, well, uh, your friend Thaddeus is dying. Nobody said that. They came and said he was dead. Yeah. But because I'm in God and he's in me, I had the strength, hallelujah, to endure. If I didn't have Jesus, they couldn't have told me he was dead with no warning. If I wasn't in Jesus and he and me, I couldn't have heard how sick my daughter was and that she was leaving here. I, I couldn't have been there. I wouldn't have known, known what to do with my mind or myself. Oh, what great is he? Ah, thank you, Jesus. I don't care what your troubles are today. I don't care how hard your trial is, how tough your trial is. God will bring you through. He will teach you a lesson that you will never forget, and he will bring you through. He will show you a better way to live. And this burden that's on you that you got to go through, like I said, you may have to take somebody to this place and that medical stuff. It, it, it could be work, whatever it may be. But he will give you the patience to endure until the ending of that thing comes. And once it comes to its end, you can look back and know that you truly got the lesson of God out of the trial. I think it's Brian Cohn that sang the song that says, I'm so glad, oh, yes, I am. Trouble don't last always. Huh? Weeping may endure for a night. Huh? Keep the faith. It will be all right. You got to keep that faith. So can't ask God questions, but be careful in questioning, questioning God because it shows you kind of don't really trust him. Because if you know him, I don't care what you go through, he's going to bring you out better than all right. Not just all right, more than all right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm grateful unto him. Thank him for all he has done. Thank him for what he's doing right now and what he's going to do. Yeah. So look, I know we can read this because if you if, if anyone has something they would like to say, feel free to press that number one so I can bring you in. If you can remember hard trial and you want to talk about that trial, if you can remember the things that you had to endure. You didn't want to endure. You started kicking a can down the street. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of them. And 
Lord, I just need a break. And you stomp the can, you know? So that gives you a little bit of relief, just a little bit. But you got to continue to endure that trial. And simply because you think you're going to run away from the trial, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start by clubbing. I'm going to start by weed smoking. I don't care what you do with any of that. When you get through, that trial going to still be there. And it may have magnified, grew a little bit bigger. And guess what? God is yet not turning you loose. He's not throwing you to the wolves. You might even tell yourself, well, I'm backslidden. Well, he married to you, sugar. <laughs> he can't get out of it. And he's not turning his back on you. Yeah, God loves us. He loves us. Love covers a multitude of sin. All right, Minister Shonda, uh, 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 let me go to this one song. Right quick. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. If you're ready, I'm ready. Good morning, Minister Shonda. God bless you. How are you this morning? I love it when I see that uh, 434-218 light up. I see the hand raised. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh, if I, you, I, you, I, you, it. I'm sorry. I was I just going to say, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, unmute so my <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me come on before the song because uh, I got to get ready to get on that computer and start my work day. But, yeah, uh, I'm going through a trial, but God is bringing me through it. Um, and it's really about love. I had told, prayed to the Lord and told him that, you know, I struggled with genuinely loving people, even people that, um, it's easy to love somebody that loves you and there for you, but it's kind of hard <laughs> to love people who use you, who don't care for you. And I feel like, and I could be wrong, that the Lord put those types of people right in my path <laughs> after I prayed that prayer. And uh, I kind of saw it coming. Because it's kind of weird. Sometimes I feel like the Lord will show me something that's coming down the pipe, and it happens. And so some, for me, without getting too much um, to my personal business, just, um, you know, people um, on my husband's side of the family, I just had a difficulty with loving genuinely, and God is still working on my heart with that. But what I'm starting to see that God is showing me things about me um, that needs to be ironed out and um, wickedness taken out of my heart. And, you know, I had testified, too, about, um, oh, well, let me just say this, because sometimes I sidetrack myself. So he's helping me um, in my love walk. It's not perfect. Far from it, a lot of days I just have real hatred in my mind and heart, but I take it to the Lord, I confess it, and, um, you know, sometimes I can't even say, Lord, I repent, because it's still there. I just say, Lord, help me. I can't even repent right now. I I need for you to help me to genuinely make me remorseful and sorrowful, and um, the other thing is with the sin, I was meditating on the word last night, and it's going to take me 
genuinely not faking, but spending time with God, not just reading, but meditating on his word and meditating on him and spending quality time with him, which I have not been doing. And um, so, yeah, I'm going through a trial. I um, All my faith and trust ha- has to be in the Lord because he's the only one that can um, see me through. But I had this on my heart to evangelist, and I just want to share it. Um, I was just meditating also a couple of days ago about favor. And, you know, even though I got issues, we got issues, everybody got issues, whether you say or not say, um, but I'm talking about the saints. We still have favor with God because Christ is our mediator. And my prayer for everyone listening to Jesus in the morning is because of our favor with God, because of Christ Jesus, that he hear our prayers, our heart desires, not so that we can focus on self, but so we don't have to worry about the material things. And I pray so we can focus on him. So our focus, my focus, won't get distracted on worldly stuff. That he gives me his favor in spite of I can focus more on him. And that's my prayer for all of us, that whatever we're praying for, because of favor, yes. that God will do it for us. In the name Thank of you. Jesus, amen. No, I, I, I wasn't praising so you could cut off now. If you've got more to say, we have plenty of time. No, ma'am, that's all I uh, wanted to say. And I just thank you for, for letting me come on and, and say what um, I wanted to say. I, I thank you for that, and I pray the Lord bless you, Lord. Uh, bless you, evangelist, real good, and all the listeners in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I am with you when you're right. I'm not with you when you're not right, but love causes favor. Did you know that? The love of God for us causes favor. And I don't care what we're going through, how we're going through it, his love yet abounds for us. And like she said, we yet have his favor. Now, people may not believe that, but if you're into something, go to him and talk to him. He said, come, hey, glory, thank you, Lord. Let us reason together. Come on, let's talk about this thing, Barbara. Though your sins be as scarlet, Barbara, I will wipe, wash you. I will wash you as white as snow. When I'm done, you'll be super clean, Barbara. You can't get cleaner than I can wash you. My blood covers everything. My blood washes everything away. You just keep striving for that perfection. Keep, don't give up. Don't fall down and wallow in pity. You don't want to have no type of pity party. And even if you do, you having it with him. You having it with the one, the lover of your soul. You're having it with the one that loves you so much. 
He sent his only begotten son to suffer, to bleed and die for you. My pastor talked about the bishop on Sunday. It's not religion, it's relationship. That's what we need. And although you're in the midst of some stuff, you yet got your relationship with him. I heard her say she's not reading but studying and, you know, talking to the Lord. Huh? That's all she got to do. <laughs> Ooh. And look how beautifully she explained that thing. Don't tell me God don't give us favor. Don't tell me God don't love us. We can point the finger all we want to, but they tell me when you point that, that I think I think it's called an index finger, you know, that first finger. Thumb is pointing back at you. Now that's what that's what they told me it is. Now I believe it because when I every time I do it, there it is. <laughs> but God loves us in spite of us. Did you hear what he said? Cast your cares upon me, for I carry for you. Did you hear him say, I know my thoughts toward you, nothing evil. I'm going to bring you to an expected end. If you're expecting a good end with God, that's where he's going to bring you. Because he's not going to turn you loose. You got to just completely walk away from him. And the believer, we know we can't do that. We might be doing some things some wrongdoings and, and some shortcomings. But we know we can't just turn God completely loose because where are you going to end up? And way worse places that we could ever imagine. Hallelujah. I thank God for Jesus. What a wonderful testimony. Yeah, I like sounding like kind of carrying on and thing, you know. It's good for me too. It lifts me up. God is able. To see us through. And look now, he'll get used it or send it on there, see uh, you you know what to do, you know what to do on Wednesday. All right, then. He will yet use you and pay you for the work. How could I say Barbara? He will yet use you and pay you for the work. Because one thing about God, he knows the very intent of our hearts. And we're striving for perfection. We're trying to reach him yeah, and be perfect in him and through him. Don't make us better than nobody. Because like she said, we all got some issues. We all got some problems. Man ought to always pray. That's why God left it there. Because he knew. Once we received him, we weren't going to walk up just perfect every day. I looked at myself yesterday talking to Sister Jerry. <laughs> that Jerry had me screaming almost and laughed. I had to go to the Lord and pray and repent. Yeah, a simple thing is that. All right, Brother Lewis, God bless you and Sherry. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful blessed day. Uncommon miracle. In Jesus' name. Yeah. So I thank God today he's there for us. He'll never leave us, not forsake us. He'll be with us until the end. All right. And is, is there anyone else? If not, we'll continue with uh, verse 46. I mean, chapter 46, verse 1 of Genesis. If you have something you would like to say, we have time, press the number one. All right, we're going on to 46. Let me get it right quick. 
Chapter 46 And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, and their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. And these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Henoch and Falu, and Hezron and Kami, and the sons of Simeon, Jemuel and Jamin, and Ohad and Jachin, and Zohar and Sheol, the son of a Canaaniteish woman and the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Maurari, and the sons of Judah, Ur, and Onan, and Shelah, and Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul, and the sons of Issachar, Tola, and Fuva, and Job, and Shimron, and the sons of Zebulun, Sered, and Elon, and Jarlil. These be the sons of Leah, which he bare unto Jacob in Padan Aram, with his daughter Dinah. All the sons of his sons and his daughters were thirty and three. And the sons of God, Ziphion and Haggai, Shuni and Esbon, Arai and Arodi and Arilai. And the sons of Asher, Jimna and Ishua and Isui and Beriah and Serah their sister. And the sons of Beriah, Heber and Malkiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah his daughter, and these she bare unto Jacob even sixteen souls, the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. And unto Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And the sons of Benjamin were Bela and Becher and Ashbel, Gera and Naaman, Ehi and Rosh, Mupim and Hupim and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, which were born to Jacob. All the souls were fourteen. And the sons of Dan, Hushim, and the sons of Naphtali, Jazil, and Guni, and Jazer, and Shilam. These are the sons of Bilhah, which Laban gave unto Rachel his daughter. And she bare these unto Jacob. All the souls were seven. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives, all the souls were threescore and six. And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were threescore and ten. And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph, to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot, and went up to meet Israel his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck, and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. And Joseph said unto his brethren, and unto his father's house, I will go up and shew Pharaoh, and say unto him, My brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle. 
and they have brought their flocks, and their herds, and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you, and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. But he got a chance to see his son again. He had wrote it off. He gone. He dead. He won't be back. But he knew God too. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that? He knew God. It don't tell us about his prayers, but I'm sure this man prayed. That God will be done in his life and even in his children's life. But I know he had to ask God to strengthen him to get through his death with his child. He loved that boy. That was that baby. Yeah. But look at God. Brought everybody. And see, that's what God will do. He'll run your whole family out. He'll give you family that you don't have. (laughs) I'm a living witness. When I looked out in the audience on Sunday at the fellowship for Sunday, that was Nikki above everybody. That was Nikki there. Yeah, and I take Nikki as my real daughter, like my biological daughter. Nikki was sitting in the audience with her husband. <laughs> I said, look at this. And when I, everybody else called me evangelist, a pastor, a doctor, when I said, hey, because I was... They said it was coming, but I was kind of shocked to see the both of them come, her and her husband. And when I said, hey, y'all, I could hear Nikki say, hey, Ma. I said, after I thought about it, when I left, I had to laugh. Yeah. Look at the Jesus Mama lady. You know what? I got something for you, see, y'all. <laughs> she don't give me tickles, and she don't laugh. But listen, God is faithful. He'll give us what we need. And he may know the intent of your heart. He knows that you don't want to really uh, raise children. So he didn't bless you to adopt or take in foster children. But you yet need a family. He sent you to Jesus in the morning. He even used me. I showed up your way. You showed up my way. Yeah, and, and, and I can't help what you think about me. Oh, I can't tell her nothing because she's going to hold it against me. She's going to talk about me. She ain't going to like me no more. What in the world? Because when I think on what you're going through, you don't confess your faults. I got to look back at mine. I got to look all the way back at where God brought me from. I wasn't always this person. I wasn't always the evangelist, the doctor, some people. I got no doctor's degree. <laughs> the, 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 the pastor. Well, what church? Where the building there? Because I need it. I, I, I want the one if God's sending me up in one, but that's not what he gave me. So guess what? It makes no difference as long as I got love in my heart. And love for his people. 
And when I tell y'all, I know people may think I be joking, you got to be careful how you treat the people of God. He made us all for his pleasure. So if I come out with my deep, holy self, and I'm against the people of God talking the trash that I'm talking, he got something for me. Yeah. He got some revenge for me. And God really do revenge his enemies because I have become an enemy of God because I've become against the people of God. Like nothing never happened to me. I, I never did nothing wrong. Well, Bobby, you didn't sell no dope. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> you, I'm telling you that they would get with me. Oh, so, okay then. So uh, you never laid with a man you wasn't married to. Come on, talk to me. Talk. Should I name names or what should I do? Yeah, this when you're so deep and so holy, you're better than everybody. And, and, and folks coming to be blessed and to be set free, and you talking some foolishness, some nonsense. You're not going to let God do You're going to do it. Yeah, he'll put you in a category. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm walking through them people's prison like I'm all that in a bag of donuts. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the thing in there, honey. I'm the, oh, what? You heathen you? What you in here for? I killed my husband. <laughs> Help me today, Lord Jesus. Ooh, I got to get on away from her. She's a murderer. The girl with the abscess, you know, she done shot dope so long, they deep holes. They, some of them done healed up, you know, because she been locked up a while. She ain't been able to go back and shoot no more harrow or, or, or whatever. So look, I'm seeing her feet so swole. Face kind of puffy. I know what she been doing. Stay away from her. One day God just showed me me. I'm telling you the truth. He showed me me. I could have fell out on the floor and just laid there. Miss all that who never did dope and you know, uh, you you never kill nobody. You just steal out them people's store. You know, you just so too good to be in the world. He showed me me. Look around you. Where are you? <laughs> Who are you in here with? Who is in here with you? Are y'all here for going to Sunday school too often? <laughs> or for being to church on time? Oh, he have a way. He have a way. What you doing here? To take you back to your sins. You're not better than nobody else. Because you can sing better than me. <laughs> okay, then, let's talk about it. You're no better than me. And I'm definitely, definitely no better than you with my dirty self. Dope selling. Hoeing, lying, cheating self. And I'm going to walk through the people's prison like I'm all of that. And even today. I'm yet striving for perfection. and I'm yet striving to become per perfected. I told you Jerry had me. I have no business laughing. Because when I laugh, that egg get on. That encourages it more. Yeah. I got friends that call me and say two or three cuss words and wait for me to laugh. You see? 
The first one without sin cast the first stone. I love the Lord today because he'll straighten us out. He's there for us in our downtime. He'll be the one to come and lift us up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you feel good about that today? And don't let nobody put you in bondage over what they think. Don't do it. Go back to the word of God. Go back to your prayer closet. You ain't got to say a thing. Just look at them and going on back to where you want to be at. So look, let me tell you this. So Israel took his journey with all he had and came to their sheep and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. Amen. God, you gave. Yes, thank you. You see what, what happened to him? Again, this man ain't have no clue he'll ever see Joseph again. He really thought he was dead and gone. But look at God. And God spake unto Israel in the vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. I will be there. I will, I will there make of thee a great nation. Look at this. The sacrifice of losing his son, I know that was traumatizing for him. But God even blessing him. He's even paying him for what he's been through. Sometimes it takes a while. Just be a, an endurer. He said, the race is not, oh, y'all going to make me shout up in here and tear something up. The race is not given to the swift, nor the strong, but the one that endures to the end. It's not given to him to get that fast. You're running. Because, see, in your running, you're going to miss something. But as horrible as it sounds, God used them boys to put their brother in slavery. Don't that sound horrible? Why y'all going to do me like this? Y'all my brothers, but don't you love me? Uh-uh. God hand in this. See, that's why we, we, we his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we have to wait on him to get understanding. He said, and all you're getting, get understanding. So we pray to him that, Lord, you would give me wisdom, knowledge, I always say on a great understanding because he said, and all you're getting again, get understanding. Now, who would have understood that? Sitting back afar looking off and you, you're not saved. You don't have God. You, you don't really know nothing about him. And you just reading, you know, in the natural, in the flesh. When you see that right there, you'd be like, what they did? What to him? Somebody told me, you know what? Why didn't the dad investigate the death? Because God's hand was in it. And you ain't going to get in God's business. You couldn't even think of that. You couldn't even remember to do that. God have a mighty sweet way. It's easy. It's easy. But we have to focus. We have to pray. We have to stay in place. We have to stand still and know that he is God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Revive us again. Oh, yeah. 
I love him. I love him today. And I love the way he has blessed me. Many trials. Much trouble. Yeah. But I'm thankful unto him. All I can do is pray. I can't force nobody to do nothing. I can speak the words. And many times what I speak, the Lord moves on what I've spoken. But it's not me, it's him. But most times my job is to pray. And prayer changes situations. Yeah. I know what prayer can do. I know what prayer have done. I know what prayer will do. All overseas, all I can do is pray. But then I get back testimonies unto the Lord. He did it. We touched and agreed and asked him to do it. And he did it for us. Yeah. Sometimes it's simple things. Sometimes it's really hard things. Because with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So sometimes there's some things like, whoo, I don't know how he going to do this right here. All of them sitting and waiting on it to see how it turn out. That's all I can do is, yeah, I, I told God about it. I'm telling God about it. All I can do is wait to see how he fits. But for me, that's impossible. For me, not for God. Because he's got all power and there's nothing too hard for him to do. And there's no higher power a situation and it changed. Not overnight, but instantly, right now. That's the God we have. All power is on your side. Are you walking knowing that all power is on your side? It'll make you strut. (laughs) It'll make me put my best strut on when I think about all power Jehovah is for me. He's on my side, and he said, if he be for me, he's more than the whole world against me. So call me a fool. Uh, say I don't speak the correct English. She's just slurring in her words. I got some mouth stuff going on. Don't worry about it. God, and look, I had to come a long ways to be blessed. But nonetheless, I'm blessed. So, that's what we tell ourselves. Let them say what they got to say about us. We don't have to hear that every day. We don't have to be bothered with that. We told God to bless them and to fix their hearts and regulate their minds. Because not everybody going to understand you and where you are. Only God. But he, like again this morning, he will put you in a place where you're loved. You think you coming in saying something that's not known you're not saying nothing. The very thing you think you are hiding is the very thing people know. But this the deal. If the love is there for you, so what? Nobody care about it. <laughs> All we can do is pray you out of it. Show your love. Send you some flowers or some food or something like that to prove to you. Love is what love does. Mm-hmm. Gift card or something. I was thinking about that. Y'all know I'm not ashamed to ask. But if everybody could put together $10 either, I want to send it somewhere as a gift. A gift of encouragement. 
I'm looking now to see if I got my $10 while I'm talking. Yeah. And it might be next week that we do it. We can do it next week. Because those of us that retired, we get paid next week. So if we want it, don't forget, though, we need to put it in the pocket. And uh, you, you can send it to Cash App at Cash Now. Well, the money side, let me make sure, because y'all know I, I mess up something. And we all just send $10. If we come up with $100, I think that'll make a wonderful small gift. She understands we're not trying to make her rich, but it will show our love. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all right in Jesus' name. Now, if you want to do cash app, it's the money side, cash now, 1727. But the C in cash is the big C, and the N in now is the big N. So money side, big C, small S-H-A, big N, small N-O-W, 1727. Yeah. Look at this one here. You know what? Okay. Sound food with you. Let you see your heart. I, I got your minister, Shonda, but no, no, no. Uh, that's Shonda. He have to get on the cheap fast and coffee. <laughs> you planted a seed. I know that's what you did so it can multiply. I thank God for you. Look at you. Just show out of here. You know what they say? They say you can dress him up and take you know, you can dress them up, but you can't take them nowhere. Uh-huh. That's here going to help me preach it, go shout about it, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's what she going to do. So, look, um, as we, you know, receiving, we, we, we want to get to $100. And once we get to that $100, we want to present it to them from all of us because we love them. Yeah, we love them, and we want them. Because what I see is them coming out more. I don't know about y'all, but I see them testifying more, coming out more, huh? Believing God more. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I'm so thankful. Hey, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you today, Lord. We thank you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. None like him. None. Thank you, Lord. So look, and I, I'm, I'm going to even pay tithe off the $100. Yeah, I'm going to pay tithe at my church off the $100. Give an extra $10 and maybe an extra $5 to the offer, $15. Yeah. And that's going to prime a pump, too. Hallelujah. And I'm able to help somebody. So look, we uh we still have a few minutes, and I want to go to this song that I think is one of the most beautiful songs uh, that I've heard, and it makes no difference how uh, it's song, it's the words that do it for me. Yeah. So I'm going to this one, and this morning I am dedicating this song to all of us. Each and everyone that's tuned in, that's listening, whether you come through the archives, the podcast, wherever you come through this morning, overseas, wherever you come from, 
This is dedicated to every believer and every caller and every listener of Jesus in the Morning Radio Talk Show. Hallelujah. We have our own style of radio. It's not like everybody else. Oh, I got some jingles. but it's not, And I play the whole song. Yeah, it's not like no other station. Ha! I did. Yes, I did. All right. So here's your dedication, everybody. We'd been there in 1954 for the Herringay meetings, and some of the young reporters weren't in those meetings, but they read reports about it, and they concluded that it was the emotion of Just As I Am that caused the people to come forward, and Mr. Graham was really concerned about that, and he talked to me just before we started the meetings. He said, you know, Cliff, we know it's the Spirit of God. And people who are praying know that, but these unconverted folks don't know that. And he said, let's just pray that God will show us whether we ought to sing it or not. And you be prepared to sing it or not sing it. Be prepared to have the organist or pianist play it or not. And if I feel we should, I'll call for it. I said, all right. And I explained to the choir and to Don Houston and Ted Smith, I said, don't play until you get the cue to play. And do you know we began the meeting, and Bill gave the simple, straightforward invitation. And he said, we're not going to have any singing tonight. This is the first night at Earl's Court. If the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart, you get up and come. And then he just stepped back and bowed his head in prayer. And 15 seconds went by and nobody moved. 
and that's a long time. And I was ready to lead the choir, and we were ready to play. And then you heard a seat uh, squeak as the people stood. And then one after another, and after another. And within about five minutes, over a thousand people were shuffling along the floor, coming to the front to give their life to Christ. And for 30 nights, for 30 nights at Herringay, we didn't have one note of Just As I Am. And the reporters that had written before saying that the emotion of it were bringing people, was bringing people forward, they were writing, Give us back Just As I Am. The silence is killing us. <laughs> but it was just an indication again of how God has been working and as we sang it I couldn't help but think of thousands of people who come and they are memories that I thank God for and praise him forgive my voice so I've lost it today <laughs> amen sorry about brings together a group of people from diverse backgrounds to a lodge in the mountains and makes them feel free to talk about something as personal as their relationship with God. And what impassions a couple like Billy and Ruth Graham to spend their entire lives telling others across the world that they can know God too, really know him for themselves? What causes a George Beverly Shea or Cliff Barrows to sing their hearts out, to put music into the souls of someone who might not have a song? Why does it matter to them? Think about it this way. When you're lost or lonely, far from family and feeling like the bottom has dropped out of life, the best thing to do is go home. But what if you left home a long time ago, and now you feel your place at the table has surely been removed by now, and the vacancy you left has long since been filled? What if you're too embarrassed or too proud to take the risk of showing up now in a place where you used to belong? Now let's think about the family. No matter how many children are home, the truth is no one could ever fill the empty place at the family's heart left by one who is away. And just maybe tonight, the father is so lonely for you, he can hardly stand it. He wants you to know, son, that no matter where you've been, and daughter, no matter how much foreign ground you've covered, he will never really rest at night until everybody's home. So what you've experienced here on the mountain is the family, gathered in a circle, taking hands, connecting with the Father, connecting with each other, drawing strength and acceptance and encouragement and joy. But they're hesitant to start the dance until you're in your place. The circle is incomplete without you. So they tell family stories, they sing the well-loved songs, and they wait. 
They just keep feeling that if they wait a bit longer, you'll come too. Don't worry about fixing up. This is a come-as-you-are party, but the gift they hope to exchange is you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bill and Gaither. I wish you Bill and Gloria Gaither. Bill and Gloria Gaither. Just as I am. I love that song. And I think they did a beautiful job with it. And um, God bless you. God bless you, Minister Shonda. God bless you, baby. Listen, I think they did a beautiful job. And they usually do this at altar calls. And many churches I've been to. And uh, it just blessed my heart. And many times uh, you think I'm coming to the Lord for the first time. <laughs> Ooh, because it blesses my soul. Because just as I am without one plea, I, I, I don't know who to go to. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to say. But a word has come forth in here, and I found out I can come to Jesus just like I am. It reminds me of Minister Thaddeus Hendricks, the, the, the good friend of mine that passed away. He gave me his testimony. He said, hey, Bob, I was out there doing hair on, shooting hair on, Bob. He said, and the guy, he used to come by there every weekend and through the week, invite us to Bible study church. And Bob, that wasn't on my mind, man. What was on my mind is how I'm going to keep this habit going every day. And I, I ain't really working or nothing. I got to shoot $5 every time. Because back in the day, they had to look $5 bags of house. He said, Bob, he come by there one Saturday and ask me to go to church. He said, I told him, hey, man, look here. I don't have nothing to wear. He said, and the guy came back and brought him a suit. <laughs> he tickled me. And everything, he said he got dressed that Sunday. You know, he was feeling pretty good, looking pretty good. He said, so he went on to church. But look, when he got there, a word came for him that Sunday. He said he tried to sit in the seat and not go to the altar. He said he was struggling, trying to hold himself in that seat. I ain't going. I... He said he went on up there anyway. He said, Bob, it was me fighting the spirit. I was trying. I ain't no match for God, Bob. I had to go and drop right down. You you would have to know him. He got a hip way he talked to. And so he said, Bob, I, I got to the altar and repented and everything. God saved me. I know he changed me, Bob. He said, I got back to the pew, and I told the Lord, Lord, now this really tickled me, but it is true. He said, Lord, you know I got weed in every pocket. <laughs> Reefer, that's what we called it back in the day, marijuana. He said, Lord, it's in every pocket. He said, and God, I just gave my life to you, but if you let me get this weed off, because he would sell weed to buy his hair on Make sure he got his habit. But when you wake up in the morning, you got to shoot. When you go to bed at night, you done shot. So you got the habit right there. So you, when you wake up, if not, you'd be sick. He said, Lord, if you let me get this weed off, let me sell this weed, all of it. I won't sell no more. 
And Lord, I won't do no more drugs. He said, and, and the Lord allowed him to go on and get rid of whatever he wanted to get rid of. And he didn't he didn't shoot no more. He was saved for real. And then he started learning, you know, from good brothers in the church like Sonny, you know, Fred Young, and, you know, different ones. And uh, I think he went over to, uh, I can't, forgot the name of the pastor now. Oh, so much has gone on. But he's Philippian with the name of the church in Jacksonville on US-1. He started going over there. Pastor, Di- no, not Diamond. Jerry, you know his name. I don't forget. But anyway, he started going over there and growing. Then he went to, I think it was First Baptist, or Second Baptist right downtown on Kings Road, about right there at 95 in Kings Road. And he grew. Yeah. So I know what God can do. I know God is faithful. I know he loves all of us, and he teaches us to love one another. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I can remember many testimonies. <clears throat> Minister Hendricks gave me things he would tell me about his family, his brother and his mother. Yeah. So I thank God I got the opportunity to meet him and to meet his beautiful wife, Sister Estrella. Matter of fact, I got to take her something because I was supposed to call her back yesterday but I got tied up. But I will call her this morning. As a matter of fact, put that on the list, Barbara. Soon as the show over, call Estrella. Y'all know I have to make notes now. If not, I forget. Yeah. So we thank God this morning for all has been said and done here. And is there anyone have something? We still have a few minutes. Uh, if you have something you would like to say this morning. If not, I will pray. God bless you, my God, baby, Laura. God bless you, God, daughter. Hallelujah. Good morning to you, <clears throat> Sister Jerry and uh, uh, Sister Samoa and my God, daughter, Laura, again. Uh, good morning to you, Brother Anthony. God bless you this morning. Y'all know he was here yesterday. I ain't really say a lot because I was, I was under the weather. I really wasn't feeling good. And I was my old cheerful self because I wasn't feeling good. But Brother Anthony came through. I was able to give him a, a country meal, you know, an old country drink, and he was all right. <laughs> Got up and made an old country breakfast. Yeah, he was good to go. And he let me know he had made it back. But guess where? Chattanooga, Tennessee. He said it only took him about seven hours. I'm like, what? What is he driving? Driving that fast. Yeah. But anyway, God blessed him to make it back safe. Good morning to you, CR. I call her my CR because this woman here keeps me laughing. Ooh. Hey, I see that 706, Brother D. I know you didn't think I wasn't going to see it. Yes, sir. I see that 706. <laughs> Good morning and God bless you, sir. God bless you this morning. And uh, God bless you. Yeah, I said to my God, baby, Lord. God bless you. Pastor David. And thank you so much. I know uh, your wife, you know, included you in the gift. Yeah, in the gift of encouragement this morning. She already included you. Good morning to your sister Rita. God bless you this morning. Thank God I see that 727. Yeah, God is faithful. Good morning to your area code 434-257. I want to say that's a minister, uh, um, Spinner. But I'm not sure, because I know, you know, she's working these days. 
And uh, I don't know if she listened to the archive or whatever, but that may just be her. Good morning to your sister Irene. God bless you this morning. Good morning to your sister Dorothy Goodman. God bless you. And again, to Minister Shonda. God bless you this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank God this morning for each other. Thank God for that faithful few. What? Oh, he has blessed me with this faithful few. And, and look, it's not like we know, knew each other. We didn't know each other. God sent you this way. Yeah, I couldn't handpick you myself. He did. From all over the world, from all over the country. I look at this some days and just get to look at Brother D over there in Georgia. Hey, them peaches ripe over there, Brother D, because I could use a few, a few. Jerry over there in Jacksonville. Samoa in Philadelphia. Laura in Philadelphia. Anthony in Chattanooga, Tennessee. A, a, a buddy and see her over there in Gotha, Florida, and then he'd be out of town working and things, and he got some business he's taking care of right now. My God, baby, Laura, I said that she from uh, Philadelphia, and so is Sister Samoa. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? I think Rita back in Tampa, Tampa, Florida, but she was out of town for a while. I mean, out of the state of Florida. Yeah. Look at this. I think I said 434, didn't I? 257. I'm thinking that's Andrea Stemmer. Wait, is there another number like that? Other than Minister Sean? Okay. Y'all know I talked to myself. and go on and back up the tape. Uh, uh, so, so, Irene. Look at this. Irene in Australia. <laughs> If y'all could see them stats, you'll see all kind of countries that these people come to hear every morning, what the Spirit have to say to the church. Yeah, every morning. And I want to apologize, too, because I've been going through the book of Genesis kind of fast, because this is going on and that is going on, and I'm trying to get it together, and when I come to do the show, I'm moving a little quick. He reading, and, and then I don't really read. Yeah, but that's okay behind him. But nonetheless, it's the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, almighty God. Hallelujah. That have all power, Jehovah. Oh, we thank him this morning. So look, if no one else have anything they would like to say, I will pray us out. We pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. Uh, and if you got a song, send it to me at Freedom Doors, Freedom Doors at Yahoo.com. And I got, oh, oh he gone, Brother Lewis, but I got his test. He had to run off this morning, but I, he sent me a test email. I wrote him back to let him know he has this to correct the dress. So he can send songs. So you can send songs over there. Freedom Doors at Yahoo.com. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for all that has been said and done. We thank you for our dear sister, Minister Shonda. Lord, we love her and we give you glory, honor, and praise for her. But Lord, she's been a blessing and she's been an encouragement many days. And we thank you. She's spoken good things. And, Father, we are grateful unto you. We thank you this morning. 
as we depart today. Father, we ask that you would move for each of us in a mighty way, uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles, uncommon favor. This day, June the 28th, 2023, in the name of Jesus. Father, we know that you're able and we believe you're willing to do it for us. Money makes us happy. Money makes us glad. And Father, we want money, big, big money. Nobody's mad but the devil. Because you are our shepherd, and we shall not want. And Father, we know that you supply needs. All because we have needs met that only you can do. We thank you this morning. We can't thank you enough. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Bless our going out today and our coming in. Again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory. Bless everyone here this morning. Bless as only you can do. Open doors and make ways. Father, I ask today that you would surprise and shock your people at the same time. Surprise and shock your people with blessings, uncommon blessings today. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you the honor. Father, we give you the praise today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. I got a feeling everything is going to be all right for us. Hey, in Jesus' name. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me. Ah, thank you, Lord. Me and thee, while we are absent, one from from another. Hey, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Go today in love and peace. Mm. Share the good news of Jesus. And give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. I speak the blessings and miracles and uncommon miracles of Almighty God upon you today in Jesus' name. June the 28th, 2023. Hallelujah. Move, Lord, for your people. All in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look, y'all get a little, a, a little clap going for yourself and get a little song going for yourself today. And go on and praise God with everything that you can praise him with. Blessings are coming your way today, June the 28th, 2023. In our time, wherever you are, blessings coming your way. But I need you to give God some praise. And I need you to give him some high praise. Yeah, don't think about me, but think about him and go and get your praise on. Hallelujah. I don't care if his praise is what I do. I don't care what you put, but give it to God today. Hallelujah. Tell him thank you. Tell him The more you tell him thank you, I believe the quicker the blessings are going to drop upon you today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, let's go to this last song of the morning. Ooh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
sacrifices life for my liberty. Mm-hmm. With the Lucky Land Slot, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 